Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Porter Gals presents Terrifying Tales. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> Christmas Ghost Story. Written by Nick DiMarantino. Published in 2022. By Northwest Corner Books. Chapter 5 Bad News Getting Nowhere. The next day and the next, they waited anxiously for the footfalls to return. Not a sound was heard upstairs, not a squeaky board. Whatever had caused that alarming disturbance on Thanksgiving Day had apparently resolved itself. Gina and Aaron gradually found themselves no longer tensing at the slightest sound. They resigned themselves to sharing, and not understanding a mystery that no one else would believe. They turned their attention elsewhere. They had other problems to worry about. Aaron had expected medical school to be tough. It was overwhelming. He studied every night until his head hit the desk. He booked through every weekend. He sustained himself on triple shots of espresso. I've got to study longer. God didn't make days that long. I've got to sleep less. The human body can't function on less. She tried to support him. She needed to support herself. Her self-confidence was being undermined. Not only was the house taking up more time than she expected, but all her promising job possibilities had, one by one, gone sour. Until she started up Green Thumb in the spring, she had planned to get work in related fields, networking, getting to know the local industry. She wanted to brush up on Northwest specialties, learn evergreens, learn perennials. She narrowly missed a dream position at Rainy City Rockery, learning how to install paths, put in raised beds, construct arbors, vital hands-on grunt work. Tree doctor considered her, but was really looking for a perning specialist. Tree doctor considered her, but was really looking for a perning specialist. For 24 hours, she thought she had landed a job at Garden Management Services until internal reconstructing eliminated the position's existence. Determined if slightly demoralized, Gina had abandoned hope of working in her field. She was ready now to settle for a steady paying check. Clerk in a bookstore, cashier in a supermarket, receptionist for lawyers, data entry at a hospital. All those smiling faces and firm handshakes 
and four-page applications should lead to something. All those nervous interview appointments, and you'll be hearing from us soon, Miss Rossi, should have amounted to a job. She was getting nowhere. One by one, Gina Rossi was slipping through the cracks. She was underqualified. She was overqualified. She thanked everyone very much. She continued making copies of her resume at the local copy shop. Money wasn't a problem yet, but what was left of the inheritance wouldn't last forever. Then things suddenly got much worse. Heat. It was impossible. How could this be happening to her? How could she have forgotten to take her pill one morning? Or was she just that terrible 2% possibility? Desperately, she hoped there was some kind of mistake. She tested herself again in the bathroom. Her fears were confirmed. She managed to walk two steps, doubled over the bathtub, and threw up. She refused to believe the test results. On a bitterly cold afternoon in the first week of December, she paid a visit to the doctor. She didn't tell Aaron. She didn't turn on the lights when she got home. She didn't close the front door behind her. She got halfway across the living room in the dark and then sat down abruptly at her favorite chair, where she folded her arms across her chest and shuddered. Her shoulders hunched forward, shaking as she quietly cried waiting for Aaron to get back from the university. By the time he arrived, she was so lost in her own unhappiness that she didn't even notice. He stood at the edge of the living room, staring at her across the carpet, as though she were on the other side of an uncrossable sea. Gina, he said to the figure in the shadows, do you realize that the front door was wide open? All the heat was going out? She stared at him, as though he were speaking a different language, with different values and concerns. She wasn't sure she could explain what had happened in that language. She didn't want to frighten him away. She didn't want Aaron to feel trapped. She didn't want to lose him. She was so worried about how to break the news to him. She didn't notice that his eyes were as red and swollen as hers. Gina, she faltered at the right words, and then just blurted, I'm pregnant. Aaron forgot where he had intended to go. He sat down suddenly on the arm of the sofa. He had to sit there for a second, until the room stopped tilting. Then he gathered up what was left of his wits and control, and rose to his feet unsteadily. Slowly and with difficulty, he crossed the rug. He dropped to his knees by Gina's side and took her hand. I'm with you, 100%, he said, whatever we have to do. His words might have caused a wave of relief, except she finally saw his eyes. Aaron, what happened? What's wrong? He tried to say it without emotion, but his voice cracked. My folks called this morning from New Jersey, he said. Ozik was down, a thousand questions. I got a little lost in the lies. I gave up and stopped lying. They know now that we're living together, that their son is sleeping with the Gentile. My dad was screaming. My mom was sobbing. They just yanked all of my funding. I've got to pay for medical school myself. Breaking point. 
their bubble of happiness had collapsed. Money had become an issue, an issue which Gina and Aaron carefully avoided talking about at dinner that night, keeping the conversation anchored in how the chicken had turned out, grandma's recipes, winterization, kitchen plumbing, an issue which they put off discussing all evening and long into that sleepless night, the issue of money, where it would come from and how it was running out, how both were cut off now from their families with no one to turn to but each other, which was the one place neither of them could turn. Though they lay side by side in darkness, both wide awake, far too troubled to sleep, their arms only inches apart. Gina and Aaron seemed to be separated by miles. Neither of them could break the silence. The darkness thickened around them. Aaron turned to look at Gina's face on the pillow beside him. A street lamp halfway down the alley behind the house poured enough light through the bedroom window to highlight Gina's wet cheek. Without turning in his direction, she could tell he was looking at her. Aaron, I'm sorry, she whispered. She couldn't look at him. She stared straight up into the ceiling overhead. I know I've been throwing you some real curves lately. Her wet eyes are making a mess of her face, as though they were melting in their sockets. Buying the house without a word of warning. Now this. The girl is trouble, huh? She tried to laugh. She came pretty close. You've got enough on your mind, surviving medical school, without getting your landlady pregnant. So Aaron, really, seriously, I don't mean to force you into saying or doing anything. He didn't bother trying to explain away her fears. Instead, he kissed her wet cheek. As far as your folks cutting you off, well, I can cover for you financially through winter quarter, at least. By then, I'll have some kind of job until Green Thumb takes off in the spring, which gets you through the first year. He kissed her again. One year of medical school is useless without more, which I can't afford. Sounds like it's time to rethink a few goals. Aaron, no. Leave your goals alone. Give your parents a little time. They'll change their minds. Wrong, he said. That's the difference between most Jewish parents and rich ones in New Jersey. Rich Jewish parents in New Jersey don't change their minds. We can make it without them, said Gina. If I could just find the right part-time job. Job, she echoed. The human body requires sleep even when it's a med student. How can you possibly work and get through school alive? I can do whatever I have to do, he said, with all the idealistic stubbornness that made her love him. Sometimes that's the only thing you can do, said Gina grimly. But how, how in God's name can we afford to have a child? Her words caught him off guard. Have a child. I guess I misunderstood. You mean you're actually considering? He could hardly think straight. The angry phone call from his parents had totally rattled him. Medical school had just been chopped out of his future because of his love for Gina. He would no longer be a doctor. For the sake of his parents, should he tactfully establish a fake address in a rented room? 
or should he abandon security altogether and set out honestly into an unpredictable future with a very unpredictable woman? It can't happen, said Gina. I don't see how it can, said Aaron. Where will the money come from? I can't afford a baby, said Gina. I've got to start working. I've got green thumb to consider. How can I start a business in the spring with a kid due in the fall? She started crying. He held her. It's so hard. It's ours. I know you want it. I want it too. But it's not the right time. Not financially, not emotionally. It just can't happen. Aaron, she said slowly, syllable by syllable, I'm going to have the baby. He stared. She went on, not expecting him to understand. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I expected. But I'm going through with it. Aaron lay coldly beside her, as motionless as an infigony on a tomb. I've got to have it. Anything else wouldn't be me. I'm a gardener. It's my job to nurture life. Part of you and part of me are becoming something else. I've got to make sure that whatever is growing inside us gets a fair chance. While your father disowns you, it's none of my father's business, she said. He's not pregnant. He could feel her slipping away from him. He was losing her. Are you sure you know what you're doing? She tried to answer him, but nothing came out. She tried again. Most of all, Aaron, what I'm trying to say is, I don't expect anything from you. This is my decision, entirely mine. Stay or go, it's up to you. There'll be no hard feelings. I don't expect a thing. He tried to think of something to say. He opened his mouth, but the darkness of the bedroom poured into it, filling him with silence. She didn't wake up until several hours later. Whatever woke her, Aaron clearly didn't notice. He was deeply asleep and snoring. There it was again. She froze, listening. Something scurrying, trying to hurry. Something scrambling over the boards of the attic. No, not up there this time. It was closer. Was it somewhere in the room with her? She didn't think so. It seemed to be coming from down below her and Aaron in the basement. She waited patiently for the sound to repeat itself. Time to put out the mousetraps. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Porter Gals or on Instagram at The underscore Porter Gals. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at RogueMediaNetwork.com. You've been listening to The Polter Gals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast.